You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the unofficial 40. Soonerscoop.com's very official recruiting podcast featuring Soonerscoop.com recruiting publisher Josh McQuistian. Get your recruiting fix from the leader in Sooner Recruiting. It's the unofficial 40 with your hosts, Soonerscoop.com publishers Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian. Welcome back. It is another edition of the Unofficial 40 with the gang uh, all here. And as I turn off the volume on my phone and uh, we, Josh and I had this discussion this week. We are going to change the intro at some point uh, because this is not a recruiting podcast. It's more than that. And when we planned this all out in the beginning, we're going to have like two separate podcasts and then we merge it all into one and it's just easier this way. So Josh McQuistian joins us. Josh, how are you doing today? He put himself on mute. No doubt. I'm good, guys. You know, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Damn. No, I'm here. No, we we can hear you. You just sound like crap. Yeah, you sound like a robot. Crappy audio. Some reason oh. your internet connection died. Either that or Eddie's downloading porn and using up all of ours. No comment. Stop it. Uh, okay, I'm going to hang up on you, Josh, and call you right back. And there's a bleep and a bloop, and where'd you go? Now let's call him back and see what happens. It's always good for the viewers to hear this. This is the process that the we listeners. go through. Yeah. yeah. Looking behind the curtain. Now he's not answering. Hello. It might be shaky. Are you there, a Josh? Hello. <laughs> is that better? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it, that's better. It's a little better. It's better yeah. now. We do have storms in the area as we. Yeah. Uh, this is the internet, though, and he's in Houston. Yeah, this should it's that probably should rain. Be. Okay, we sound good now. Okay, screw you, Josh. You're on the podcast. Eddie's here. Joe is here. You guys spent the morning <laughs> over with Lon Kruger uh, as he was announcing his signing class. A uh, very exciting day for Oklahoma basketball. They also uh, officially losing a couple of players, which Joe has been on top of for a while. Uh, we're going to get to all that. We got spring football kind of review to get to as well. But there was something that we talked about this week. I feel like, by the way, we're doing this on the heels of Casey Thompson picking Texas, so I've been preparing myself for this for a while. Uh, the mass panic over how did OU let Casey Thompson go to Texas from the non-scooper variety. And I know people listening to our podcast are not all scoopers, and they're not all as in the know. You should be scoopers, by the way, uh, to throw that little ad out there. Uh, it's... It's very easy. You would have known all of this stuff. You would have known that uh, uh, that OU was going to lose two basketball players, one of them being Dante Buford. Uh, you would have known that OU already has a quarterback. His name is Cameron Rising, and they haven't offered Casey Thompson. They've kept in touch with him. They've been nice to him, but Casey Thompson had an OU hat out there today, 
and he had no shot in of going to Oklahoma because they never would have. Josh, I'm assuming they never would have accepted a commitment for him. Correct? Oh no, yeah, he wasn't a valid option for them at this point. So I, what do you guys think of that though? There's some people on the board a little upset that he had the OU hat out there. I. It's a non-issue to me. I mean, it's Daddy weird issues? to do, but is I that think what it's it is? ugly. I almost feel like you're doing it kind of a uh, wussy way if you don't put the OU hat on out there. I mean, you live 25 minutes or 15 minutes. You're saying rip people's hearts out when you can. Yes, absolutely. If they're uninformed and that stupid, <laughs> yes, absolutely. they deserve to have their hearts ripped off. Absolutely, out. 100%. Well, well I, I thought it was well with Eddie on this one. Do you guys look into the hats? Like, the OU hat was like, it had the curved bill. It wasn't a flat bill. Does that... Does that mean, like he's been wearing it? I bet I, Charles has been wearing it. Or they just didn't. They're like, let's find an OU hat around the house. While the others, they went to lids or something to get something. Nice. I feel really bad for Charles Thompson today because I mean now he has to go to Texas games. I mean that's got to that's got to be hard. He must hate his father. I mean, Josh, well, do we have any confirmation saw over the on weekend that? That he officiated a wedding, right? That who did? Charles, Charles did. did. Whose wedding? Peter Gardier's. Really? Oh, yes. Well, maybe that's why he's going to Texas. Maybe there was a sign in there somewhere yeah. that we all should have seen. Maybe Peter Gardier just paid more for a preacher than anyone in the history of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I've heard like really good stories about Peter Gardier. Like he's a really solid dude because he never has to buy a drink anywhere he goes. I'm sure he is nice to everybody. My father-in-law has officiated in two weddings, so I've got that on my family resume. I want Eddie to be a wedding official. I oh, am. I'm licensed to. I have. You're lying. My cousin. You 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 married two people. Absolutely. <laughs> when was this? Uh, you're smiling like you're lying right now. It was like four years ago, or no, it was longer than that. I was in college, so. And how old were they? Uh, younger than me, like twenty. They were probably like twenty-one. I Why think. did you do it? Uh, I'm not sure. Was this a Romeo and Juliet thing? Like you were the only person they could find that would actually marry them? No, no, they no, were no, no, no. no, 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 no. The Capulets and the what was the other family? Monta the Montagues. Yeah. No, no, no. Mike, nice. just helping family out. That's the kind of guy I am. My I'm, a, I'm, I'm a big family guy. My cousin. You are. That's true. My cousin married me, so it's not that weird. You can do it. Did you go ad lib at all, though, Eddie? Did you go off? Yeah. Yeah. Get a little I mean, you don't have to go straight were you nervous? by the book. A little bit. But I, I kind of want Joe to think about his last sentence. My cousin married me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is. Yeah, kinda... that didn't sound she, good. She lives in L.A. It took me a minute. And she says every time she meets somebody, she tells them, I married my cousin. I Makes like, more oh. sense. Married by my cousin. There you go. English is hard. Yeah. Yeah, Lord knows I'm not trying to teach you anything, Joe, because we know that's not my turf. Uh, we had a discussion earlier this week that should lead the podcast, I think, about unathletic heads. Oh, yeah. And that is a, it's always been a bugaboo of mine. Was it the 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 bracket linebacker for your Colts, Josh? Gary Brackett. Gary yep. Brackett, the most unathletic head I've ever seen on an athletic <laughs> ball, a body. And what's weird is the number two Colt of all time, or number two is a Colt. It's Marshall Falk. He has a very unathletic head. And by the way, the greatest about to say the greatest quarterback, uh, the greatest Colt quarterback ever. It, Peyton, Peyton Manning. Manning. Yeah. Weird head. Has so, an unathletic. Is, is that, Although, I'll say this. Peyton Manning, his head became unathletic over time. Like, uh, if you see pictures of him coming out, yeah, the forehead growth. Uh, he has a six head now. 
But if if you see pictures of Peyton Manning like coming out of Tennessee, he didn't have that unathletic of a head. Is that the steroids? He still had a defined jaw, jawline. Is that the steroids yeah, or the helmet pinching his brain up? Because he always wore his helmet super tight. He had that raspberry red mark on his head. That always has been like the, I think, the go-to Peyton Manning steroid uh, argument, though, is that his head did change. Looks like I mean, an orange look at all the baseball players. Barry Bonds' head. But, I mean, you think of, like, guys like, I mean, I'm thinking of, like, Adrian Peterson, very athletic head. Mm-hmm. Is that a very athletic head? Yes. Yeah, that's a good head. Well, okay. What are what are the qualifiers for an athletic head? Like, what what are we what are our parameters that we're looking for here? You know what you're looking for in an athlete, Josh. It's just that in a head. <laughs> <laughs> like okay. like strong jawline. Okay, sure. Eyes can't be too far apart. Mm-hmm. Big nose mm-hmm. is always a problem. Like like horse face. Like if you have a horse face, like. Sean Lee, the linebacker for the Cowboys, he has an unathletic head. What about guys okay. guys like Matt Ryan? I don't think that's an athletic head, but in a different way. It almost looks soft no, but, and mushy. And here's and, the thing, like you if you look like a preppy kid, that's not an unathletic head. See, Matt Ryan to me looks like a preppy kid. It's like the there's two different types of prototypical quarterbacks. There's like the Troy Aikman kind of big, strong, tough quarterback, and then there's the Tom Brady kind of preppy kind but of quarterback. But he has an athletic head. Tom Brady. It became athletic just like him. Tom Brady? Yeah. He's married to a supermodel. Yeah, that's you a... You can't be married to a supermodel and have an unathletic head. That's see, a see here, okay, There's You just some... sum this up. That's what this is coming down to. This is, are you good looking or are you not good looking? Well, and no, putting but it you really can be unfortunate looking and still have an athletic head. Like, most people in the WWE Frank have Kaminsky. athletic heads, but Frank Kaminsky has an unathletic head, yeah. Landry Jones had an unathletic head. Landry Jones is also also unathletic. <laughs> Heads are hard because if it's too oval one way or the other, it looks weird. But also if it just is as a circle, that's but that's also admit, weird. Gary Brackett looked like a Seven Eleven convenience store clerk. You have to from the yeah. neck up. If you're listening, you have to Google it because I did when Carrie sent this to the group message, and I I thought it was really funny. Like I, it, he looks. The first picture Gary that comes up yeah. yeah, for Gary Brackett is really funny. His head went to a point. He looks like one of those guys where his rolls start at the top of his head and they go all the way down his neck. I bet when he was... Shane Battier, unathletic head. He has the rolled yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. I bet when Gary Brackett was born, it, he looked like a cone head. But it's painful. I bet that thing came out like a pencil. Say the point probably helps. Yeah. As long as it was head first. Which they usually are, I think. I don't know. I don't either. I think that's how it's supposed like to be. Like Jason Duffner, unathletic head. Yeah. But he has, all right, he has. Davis attract, Love, yeah, there's a lot head. of There's a lot of golfers that have yeah. a, unathletic And they all have oh, hot Davis wives. Love. Yeah, so that's that, a good one. They all have attractive wives that could be supermodels, though. Stephen Ames. because they make millions. A, right, that's nothing but to do like with their But like Ricky head. Fowler doesn't have an unathletic. I wouldn't say Sergio has an unathletic head. No. But Carrie, like I Curtis, think what Joe was getting at is he's not letting go of his Tom Brady point. I don't let go of anything. Tom, uh, look, good looking is the same thing as athletic. There's, they share a lot of similarities. Like, Aaron Ripkowski had a very athletic head. Like, maybe one of the most athletic heads I've ever seen. How about somebody, well, stick with the Colts theme. Someone like Mar- you know who has Marvin Harrison, super athletic, but he had a goofy looking head. He did head. have a goofy he head, a goofy yeah. He guy. murdered somebody, too. <laughs> That's true. Allegedly. Uh, allegedly. We can still get sued on this podcast. Does Trevor Knight have an unathletic head? No, he has a very strong chin. Okay. 
Oh, so that like makes up for it? It's like comic book character strong. It is. Yeah, he he really does. He looks like something out of like the ideal comic male. It's kind of like Rodney Anderson looks like a superhero. Like he has a little tiny waist and everything about him bulges from the waist up. He has like, yeah. It's like he is put together like that, though. It's kind of weird. Like Adrian Peterson wasn't like that. Like he was just... He was more like kind of like Ron L. Lewis, like country strong, as they would say. Adrian Peterson is just one of the most freakiest people I've ever seen. Like just seeing him on Saturday at the red white game is like, I think he still looks like he's 18. Yeah. And everybody that sees him, it's like, you don't have to think for a second. That's, that's Adrian Peterson. It's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. All these people that keep saying, Oh, Adrian Peterson's damaged good. I think I've said this before. That's bullshit. Like, look at Nelson Peterson. Nelson Peterson looks like he could still play college football or was, basketball. Where, the last time I saw satellite him, camp. oh yeah, it was yeah. in a Mesquite. He's always at the Mesquite satellite. Just camp. a human, a, a huge human. Yeah, Adrian Peterson still looks like he could play linebacker in the NFL. Like that's that's the difference between him and some of the, like Rodney Anderson. He's huge, but he doesn't look like he can play linebacker. Like you could throw Adrian Peterson out at linebacker, and he'd be he'd be just fine. See, like okay, Creed Humphrey. I think he blurs the line between athletic head and non athletic but his his jawline is good. For now, he's going to get older and he's going to have an unathletic head. The, is this close to home for you, Carrie? I feel there's I a know lot where of comparisons you're going. out there that you know about. Well, look at my junior college baseball picture. I had an athletic <laughs> head then. <laughs> I don't now. You can just like you lose, you know, your calf muscles and your 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 quads and all that you lose your head is athleticness. It's athletic ability. Is that why they like in, wanes as you get older? In high school, when they make you go through uh, uh, like summer workouts and stuff, you have to do like the neck neck thing. I always no, it's just natural. That. I always natural. skip that. I've never done. I never did a neck exercise in my entire life. That's but when you lift weights, your neck is it gets bigger, getting bigger. Your chin is getting more defined. And, you know, here's the reason we had this discussion in the first place. I almost hate to say it because if something goes wrong, I'm going to get blamed for, like, a decommitment. But <laughs> Cameron Rising has an unathletic head. He looks a bit like a goober. Well, that's just because he was wearing... He, st- he did the hit thing where he you He was wearing, of- like, a modern-day Affliction t-shirt. And he also Saturday. did the thing where you set your hat kind of on top of your head. It's not really pushed all the way down. Yeah. It's just kind of resting He's got a lot atop. of hair, I think. Mm-hmm. Huh? Who? Cameron Rising. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Do we all agree? Unathletic head. Yeah. He he just has kind yeah. of a weird head, just in that like, I I thought I have I have a lot of hair. Like Cameron yeah. Rising has enough hair to I I'd be surprised if I don't know. It's just like I respect well, that like, man's head of hair. If early in his like all of his pictures and stuff, he had like a a buzz, didn't he? Like Did his he? early like when he was a sophomore, didn't he have like a buzz cut, Josh? I was. I'm pulling it up to look at it because I'm. I, I don't remember that, but I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I thought in some of his early like Elite Eleven pictures, he had like a shaved head almost, or at least a very close cut. I think you're right that he had a short haircut. Because it's like Justice Hanson. His dad would never let him grow his head out, hair out. And now he's got really long hair. By the way, Justice Hanson, very athletic head. Very, very. No, he, he's got long hair in all of our pictures. I mean, not long, long. I mean, not you know, we're not talking about any dirty hippies here, but um, but you know, long, long enough for sure. It's definitely not a buzz. 
It's it was it was a lot longer at the spring game than it is in his rivals photo. He's got like that mop top where I'll just kind of fall straight down and looks wet. I don't know. It, it doesn't look like a a good looking set of hair. Well, let's it's talk about let's talk about the guys that visited this weekend. While we sorry, Cam and Rising, we really look. We're fat. I'm fat. Yeah. I have no, I have no place to talk about people's heads being athletic or unathletic. <laughs> Our inability to be athletic allows us to to talk, talk about, about people, correct? Athleticism, being yep. or lack Absolutely. of it. Breaking news from Norman, though: uh, Oklahoma has officially signed Jeff Badet, immediately oh. eligible. Badet. Badet. Oh, you just sent out something. Okay, cool. So, all right, carry on. So, hoop signing day is the same for transfer signing day. I guess so, yeah. yeah. It must be. I didn't know that. Um, okay, so guys that were visiting this weekend, it's hard to miss Bray Walker being out there. Uh, he and Cameron Rising obviously got to spend a lot of time together. Josh, did you get any feel? Uh, you hear anything? Any any chirps about uh, how Cameron Rising's visit went? And is, is it possible that it's put them back solidly as his team once again? Yeah, I, I actually talked to Cam a little bit through the week. Um, not really enough to facilitate a story, but he and I talked some, and I definitely get the feeling that he he's good. And you know, I, I I always contended that it wasn't really about that for him. There was some interesting storylines, some stuff kind of happening behind the scenes. I I can't help but wonder if there wasn't some pressure, not even like from his family, but from some people around him that he kind of knew that were saying, hey, maybe you should take some trips, do some of that stuff. I, there was talk that he was going to visit Texas this weekend, and that's that clearly hasn't been on the books. And, and now they've got now Casey, with Thompson. Casey Thompson. Yeah, yeah that, you would think that ship had sailed, which to me, if there was any school that felt like maybe if everything just fell right, maybe they could be a threat, it was Texas because of his dad's relationship with Tom Herman. But with that not being there any longer, uh, or that option not being there any longer, I don't really see that being a fit, and I just I think things are good with OU and Cam Rising. He talked about how much he loved Bray Walker and how much he can't wait to play with him. I mean, he, you get the impression after you know you do this long enough when you talk to these kids, it's not just what they say; it's kind of how they say it and how they're led into a conversation. I mean, he wasn't just talking about oh Bray Walker's a great player. He immediately dove into man, I can't wait till that guy's blocking for me. You know what I mean? It, it, was, it wasn't just about he's, you know, he can help or, you know, he's, I think he's really talented. It was about how we're going to work together and clearly hinting at we gonna, we're going to play at Oklahoma. Josh, I'm curious because we've talked about a lot before how quarterback recruiting is different than all the other positions. It's something Lincoln Riley's even talked about how he wants to make sure that guy's locked up early and that he's recruiting for the team from there on out. So my question is, how do these other teams approach recruiting a guy like Cam Rising who's committed to OU? Because obviously he's still getting contacted by other schools. I and mean, those other schools can't be putting all their eggs in that rising basket. So I'm kind of curious how that all, uh, the, the logistics of all that, how these teams kind of recruit Cam Rising who's committed elsewhere, but also, I don't know, keep dip their toe in the water, but have uh, eggs in other baskets to mix metaphors. Well, yeah, and, and that's the thing. That's what I've gone on and on about with regard to it, it's going to be tough for him to flip from Oklahoma if he you know, says, well, I'm not going to leave until Lincoln Riley does. Well, if that doesn't happen <clears throat> excuse me, until December, you know, when, when is the only time that makes sense if Lincoln Riley were to leave for another job, well, everyone's going to have to have their quarterback situation settled at that point because you just can't wait that long. And it, especially – 
at any major program that's going to be worth him giving a look. Yeah. So that that's where this comes down to because you're right, Joe. You can't do both of these things. And, you know, I don't care who it is. You look down the list of possibilities for him. They're going to have to recruit other quarterbacks, and eventually they're going to say, okay, Cam, are you serious about us? Do you Would you flip to us right now? Or we're going to have to take this other kid because we just can't wait any longer. And I've heard nothing to make me think that Cam Rising's going to flip to any other school as long as Lincoln Riley is on, in the boat with Oklahoma. So that's really what it comes down to. And again, I mean, Utah, I, I saw the interview. You know, you guys ran all the Scoop HD stuff with, um, with Lincoln Riley talking about how talented his quarterback room is right now. It'll be. I, I don't want to say better next year because obviously you're trading Baker Mayfield for Cam Rising, but you talk about young talent in that room. That's it's a little bit absurd with how, what he's going to have to work with next year. As long as they can stay away from the popo, Vivo get faster. Uh, well, so really, I guess what we take from today is, even though it's probably hard for a lot of OU fans to see a legacy like Casey Thompson go to Texas. That's that ends up being probably the best thing for Oklahoma in their quarterback recruiting. It's crazy to think about, but yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a net gain for Oklahoma. Yeah, the the scary part. I mean, you have to be a little worried if you're Oklahoma. I mean, I know you make your decision, and I think we're all in agreement that we we really like Rising and think he's a better prospect. But I mean, to see a guy so close go to your most hated rival, there has to be a part of you that says. I hope he doesn't become great. I mean, if Casey Thompson goes down there and sets the world on fire, everybody's going to be looking at OU and thinking, what'd you do? Especially, Well, that's just natural. I mean, oh, I know. did you make the right evaluation? Yeah. And they're, you're going to have two kids that are playing at two very visible schools that know each other very well. You, we're going to know. who was the. Did OU make a mistake? No, I mean, that's going to be a natural storyline. If these two become starting quarterbacks, that's going to be a storyline every time the Red River rivalry comes up. Be awesome, and but the chances of these two guys becoming starters at both schools at the same time mm-hmm. very slim, I would say. Very, I, I mean, just look at what Oklahoma has already has in the in the uh, I guess the in cupboard. the quarterback room, yeah, in the cupboard. And I mean, who knows? Who knows what will happen down at Texas? I think that a lot of people, when Kendall Thompson signed with OU, thought he was going to be a four year starter in Norman yeah. as well. So. Well, it's been pointed out to Josh, especially this week, that he likes certain quarterbacks that didn't pan out. What are you talking about, Cody Thomas? I don't know anything about that. <laughs> Look, I like Cody Thomas, too. I saw I saw a Jason White-style quarterback. But, look, Cody Thomas got a lot of chances to be the quarterback at Oklahoma. And I think you're right. Josh Heupel and his quarterback development definitely suffered when he was an offensive coordinator. But for whatever reason, Cody Cody Thomas didn't have it. I mean, he had enough of a chance to prove that he had, quote, I'm air quoting, it. But he didn't have it. It. Well, yeah, Baker Mayfield came and took that job. There's no reason Cody Thomas couldn't have done the same thing. Yeah. If he was ready to be he that guy. He started three I, games in a season. Yeah. Yep. And lost to OSU. So that, off the bat. And he only beat Tech because they stopped throwing the ball and let Samaj P. Ryan run it down their throats. What's crazy is his best game was against Texas Tech when he rushed for over 100 yards. It wasn't him throwing the ball. It was when he was a runner and ran for over 100 yards. And If you recall, that that uh, before Baker Mayfield won that job and it was a three-man race, 
people were talking about Cody Thomas almost as much as Trevor Knight, you know, battling with Baker Mayfield. Because he's the unknown. People, is, re- I, I was hearing reports even that people really liked him. But I, one, it's one of those things where I've talked to Eddie about this before with him playing baseball. I don't think you can do any sport at that level really that well, especially as a quarterback, while you're splitting your time and your focus. I just don't think it's possible because, look, he didn't play baseball very well either, but we knew that wasn't true. That wasn't indicative of his talent because he's, you know, he ended up playing really well the next year and getting drafted. And so I think he just, he, he couldn't have, he split two things and I just don't know if it's possible. And I mean, maybe Kyler Murray will prove that wrong, but I think that's what happened with Cody Thomas. Oh, he's not doing a good job of it right now. I mean, it's just, it's really, really tough. And I think that for the people that have been able to do it, it's why that list of people that have is so short. You, you, yeah. you just don't find people that are... Cody Thomas became... I mean, he became a stud there at the end of last season as a baseball player. And if he would have concentrated just on baseball, he probably would have been a stud for three years. Yeah. And, well, and I mean, he's picked up where he left off, too. They've already done uh, a article about him. I think it was out of somewhere, El Paso or somewhere. I saw it. I read it, the hell it, yeah. he's playing at. Uh, it was like, you know, he's going to be a cornerstone of uh, lower... Is it lower A or... High A, whatever he's playing He moved in. up after like 50 games last year. He moved from rookie ball to yeah. their low A, and I think he's yeah. starting with their medium or high A right now. Yeah. So. And he almost hit he hit almost 300. Yeah, I, there was a week. Like nine he, home runs like, or something like that. He hit, and like, when he moved up. Yeah, it was like 660 for like two weeks or something. So, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think with Kyler, it's just one of those – like I got into a discussion of – what was it? Was it on the board, Josh? We were going back and forth with some guys about moving Kyler. Or am I dreaming this up? No, I mean, there's always been a lot of talk of it. Um, but I mean, but I, I don't I, remember I, you and I. I was just pointing out the fact that, like, you know, you can't tell Kyler Murray we're going to play you at a different time. He will not accept moving. He he came to OU with the promise that he would get a chance to be a quarterback. And play baseball, and they're allowing him to do this. And I know fans are going to be upset because you've got this great athlete sitting on the bench that could probably help you in some form or fashion as another offensive player. They are not going to do that. It, I think it was me in the group chat. Is probably what you're thinking of because I, I still I that think, is what I was. Thinking. I think there's a story here, and if if he just won't play quarterback because that's he was promised, or if he won't not play quarterback, if he just won't even try playing anywhere else. I just I understand not wanting to give up the dream of playing quarterback, but what I don't understand is not finding any middle ground. Look, if you're not going to play quarterback this year, and you know Baker Mayfield's the guy, and he said himself he believes he's the fastest guy on the team, how can you be just okay sitting there on the bench and not be thinking, you know, I, I, I surely I can take a, a wildcat snap, surely I can do a jet sweep or something out of the slot. Like th- those things because every, don't keep you from playing quarterback later. Everything that he's doing that takes away from preparing to be the next quarterback at Oklahoma is taking away from being the next quarterback. If Baker Mayfield gets a concussion, he wants to be the best possible quarterback he can be when he goes in there, probably in hopes that he can prove that he's even better than Baker. And, like, Baker would never get the job back or something. I mean, that's that's how kids think in their head. I I guarantee you that's probably how his dad thinks in his head. I, Ryan Tannehill, someone who I brought up, I remember in the group chat, he played wide receiver at Texas A&M for years and still was able to come in, play quarterback, and be an early first-round draft pick. I if you're that good, you're that good. And I, that, you can't tell me that learning to take a jet sweep or learning to play the wildcat every now and then is going to deter you from being a great quarterback down the road. There just has to be some middle ground there for someone who is that good of a weapon. I think that's the major point is 
I mean, you look at them at the spring game, there weren't that many guys on the field that had that kind of burst. And you just have to wonder, can OU afford to leave that kind of weapon on the sidelines if they're going to go for a national championship run this year? I, I mean, I, the conversation, I think. You should a, have this conversation with Kyler, and then and then you will know. Well, I, he, he he's very well could be where he is and staunchly saying, I'm not going to play anywhere else but quarterback, but... And that's sorry. what he. That's how he is. That's, I think. I think there's middle ground there. That's all. The thing is, it's not just Kyler; it's his dad. His dad has also got a big hand in this. For those that don't know, his dad played quarterback at Texas A&M. Is kind of a quarterback guru in the Dallas area. Like it trained Kyler from early on. So I mean, there's a lot of, and I don't want to make his dad out to be a bad guy. There's just a lot of expectation, and like Kerry mentioned at the start, there was. I don't want to say a deal, but there was there. This was he's coming here to play quarterback. That's what we're doing here. That's the yeah. point. And so it's not just you have to convince Kyler. You have to convince Dad. And it's very, it's just like we you know we deal with you know fans on the board all the time. Well, why don't you guys ask them the tough questions? Well, it's a lot easier to say that when you don't face the people every day. And you know, like it's the same thing with dad it's a lot easier for dad to take a stance because he doesn't have to be around him you could probably talk kyler into some things but dad isn't there every day and he's going to say no quarterbacks where you belong that's where you are and there just ends up becoming this where our backs are against the wall and we're not going to give any ground on it and you don't want it leading to something bad like it, what happened at a&m and True, all i know exactly. is rumors and hearsay and but it sounded like it got really ugly at Texas A&M. And, that's, and OU knew they were getting into a situation that that's a possibility. So they're going to they're gonna walk around on eggshells about that. I mean, just I'm just going to say it. Joe, you can wish in one hand, crap in the other. What is it they say after that? See which, see which, which one fills one, it first. See which one fills it first, yeah. I'm not wishing, though. I'm just trying to point out. I'm just saying it's not going to happen. It's almost a fruitless argument. It's just not going to happen. I mean, but I think it's an important point to make. How many teams leave their fastest guy on the team on the bench? How often does that happen? There's not many places that... There's not many people that have quarterbacks yeah, this that, fast. Yeah, that are the fastest player on the team. I know, Because but if there were, if you had, if every team had a 4-3-8 quarterback at a big... USC, OU, Ohio State, Alabama... They'd be sitting on the bench. But, I mean, Bill Cowher did it for the Steelers. And when he went to the Super Bowl, he had Neil O'Donnell starting, and he drafted Cordell Stewart to be a quarterback out of Colorado. But he said, man, I got this great athlete here. I got to use him. And he used him, and he created this slash role. And I think Lincoln Riley is just the offensive coordinator to come up with some sort of creative role for Kyler, find a way to sell it to him. Look, we're not taking you away from the quarterback room. You're a quarterback, but you are so athletic. You can help this team now. And here's your role. And give it a fun name. Give it a Call it a quarterback something. I don't care. But there's... You just those kind of weapons leaving them on the bench. I think that's a story. I'm sorry. I think that's a point that should be brought up. You're they're off not, the podcast. They're not paying. Um, him. They're not paying him to do that. <laughs> you're uh, look. It's it's like I said. I think it's ridiculous to keep arguing because it's just not going to happen. Um, I'm sorry, Joe. All right. I'm sorry to tell you. We can move on. Uh, his well, athletic back, head, though. Back to he does have an athletic head. Uh, Back to the recruits that were in this weekend. Any any other positive vibes that you uh, were able to cull from this weekend, Josh? Well, you know, I've talked about it some on the board. The thing that I got, there were a couple things. I think you have to talk about Malik Van, the uh, Rivals 250 defensive mm -hmm. end from Ohio, one of the really elite out-of-region guys that made it in, uh, released his top six earlier this week. OU was in it. 
I think OU's got a real chance there. To me, there is some question of where does he fit into their plans. Like, I don't know how hard OU is pushing on Malik Van because he feels like a guy very similar to Jalen Redmond from Midwest City. And I think, you know, like any school, push comes to shove, you're going to want to land guys from places you recruit more frequently because that just works out for you uh, in the future. But, and kind of within that thought, is the people I talk to, they feel like Oklahoma is going to clean sweep the state of Oklahoma. And that means Ron Tatum, Jalen Redmond, and um, Josh, Josh Proctor, Proctor from Owasso, which is, I think, the first two I think everyone kind of assumes Oklahoma's going to win there. But Josh Proctor is the one I think everyone's a little bit unsure about. But I talked to a few people that, that act like it's going to happen and that there is a lot of conversation with Proctor in the background uh, amongst a few of the guys that are already committed and that that's there's a lot of confidence kind of stemming from that here's something to factor into that uh and I'm not saying that this is a guy that pushes players one way or the other but having Blankenship up at Owasso do you think that that helps Oklahoma I don't think there's any doubt I mean Bill's always had a good relationship with OU uh you know he and Bob really you know that's the only coach at OU he really knows. I mean, I don't get me wrong, it goes back farther than that for him by a few years, but not a lot. So I think there's a lot of familiarity, and there is that ability that I know if I send my guys there, he's going to get a fair shake. So the question is, is with a first-year guy like Bill, I mean, is he really going to have that relationship with Proctor that it's going to matter much? I, I don't see that. Um, but at the same time, I, it, it can't hurt Oklahoma. I think it's going to be a positive for them, but I don't know how much it actually adds up to. Well, and we've talked about this before. We've got the St. Louis Rivals camp that we'll all be up at. Um, we still have some logistics to work out, whether Josh has veto power over uh, music. <laughs> Total. To- if it's no. 90s pop music, I get veto. That, uh, that's period. That's that's a that's a non-starter. You're, you're really upsetting the apple cart with that stance. <laughs> that's what Eddie and I were raised on. That's Those are the songs of our youth, man. I think the first CD hey, I ever bought was Hanson, by the way. I'm going to admit that on air right now. Think Josh is going to say ska only or something on the way back. Hell no. No, no, no. <laughs> mighty, mighty Boston. Hey, I can flat out tell you, like, 80s pop music, new wave, that's where I can do that stuff all day. And 90s pop, I like just fine. I mean, God, that was when I was in middle school, high school. So, like, it's not a, as though. Did someone break your heart or something? Is that why we can't I'm listen to the Backstreet Boys? Seriously. <laughs> Frosted Tips, that should just be in. That should be obvious lovely to music, any red Josh. male. It's lovely. 98 degrees, lovely music. Nick Lachey is a nice guy. He knows. I what, like Nick Lachey. He knows actually. what tuna is, so that's good. <sighs> yeah, well, wow. That's so a see what dated, the plan. Joe. Here's the problem. The plan know, is right? Josh is going to fly to St. Louis. We're going to take a minivan. My favorite thing in the world to do is to drive a minivan across the country. Uh, Joe will be sleeping in the back as usual. Get that Bears rest in. Eddie, weren't you a little upset last time we went to Kansas City and Joe just slept the entire way? Like, isn't that kind of cheating? Uh, no, because I, that's probably what I do anyway. So I told you, you could do that too. I was like, you don't have to sit up here with me. You can go back there and sleep with you. And I, and we had like 700 pairs of, of rivals camp gears just so Joe wouldn't embarrass us. And then Eddie wore a Nike shirt out onto the field. Well, just, I mean, Nike is a better company than Under Armour. <laughs> we can say that now. Yeah. This is worth the Adidas. <laughs> Three Stripe Life had a good master's. Uh, you guys have been very complimentary of the uh, three stripe stuff. Yeah, it was so good. Far. Yeah, I wore the polo for the spring game. What shoes did you wear? I I 
I didn't want to hound you. New New Balance. I wore New Balance. I don't think. What did they you care. wear, Joe? I think Sanooks. Just some. I don't know what those are. Those are like the they're like little. Are they hippie shoes? I don't know. They're they're like Vans, but not. They're kind of like those canvas shoes that are hippie. really small. Uh, but I think one of the guys that really intrigues us the most, probably going to St. Louis, is Trevor Trout, right? Yeah, and that's been a weird situation because you know I've reported for a while now that it looked like once Jordan Kelly committed to Oklahoma, they might be done on the interior of the defensive line. But I'm starting to hear some softening of that. And it's funny that we bring up St. Louis because it kind of reminds me of Marquise Hayes because I was told OU last year just they couldn't take any more interior guys, couldn't do it, and then they ended up adding Creed Humphrey and Marquise Hayes. So I, I think Trout may just end up being a guy that's too talented and too highly regarded. I, it's not just about, oh, Trevor Trout's this incredible player, but Trevor Trout's a top 50 guy in the country. He gives your class more credibility if you can manage to get him into the class. So that helps you recruiting. And then with there's a reason we're going to St. Louis. There's a ton of guys in that area that Oklahoma is in on. Ronnie Perkins, Ayodele Adeye. I don't know if I'm going to say that right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I sounded confident. A for I? effort. Uh, the, the, the Rivals 250 linebacker. I mean, there I'm are a lot Perkins. of guys that Oklahoma, Cameron Babb, the wide receiver. There's a lot of guys in that area that Oklahoma would like to have. So if you can go and get three or four of those guys talking about playing together, well, then maybe you get something really going. And it's what Missouri's trying to do. But Oklahoma obviously has a lot more to sell right now than Missouri does. I don't know how Missouri's doing anything right now. I mean, especially on defense. I mean, I was Josh Eiffel kind of found a way to put up some points last year. Mm -hmm. But my God, they lost. I mean, they're they're they couldn't get anybody to their games either. I mean, did you see some of the photos like Gabe DeArmond was sending out from the the people that the the number of people that were not going to Missouri football games last year was embarrassing sometimes I would see those and think like does uh is it Greg Sankey the SEC commissioner uh-huh. just I wonder if he goes up there sometimes and just like takes people in the back hallways and is like you guys are gonna have to start paying people to come to these games or we're kicking you out of the goddamn league wow we got a GD in there I, that's been a uh, well, that might be a, a first in the pod I almost said the f word and I Went to the other. <laughs> you looked at Joe Good. with shame, yeah. didn't you? I probably, I probably wouldn't be able to get into ORU right now. <laughs> Eddie is fighting with the president of ORU currently on Twitter. Yeah, are you blocked yet? Uh, no, but I will be by the end of the day. Hopefully. I'm the only one that couldn't play for the basketball team. Yeah. Oh. I got tattoos, folks. It's uh, I, I'm starting to refer to the school as a cult, so it's, it's, it's going well right now. That guy's done, that president. Yeah, he's an idiot. He's not long for that world. Somebody that needs to go up there and punch him in the face. Physical violence. Isn't that ironic? That I'm not advocating for it. I'm just well, saying it should be Coming done. from a Catholic, not surprised. <laughs> Is it interesting that the man who wants to be the mayor... Almost always his resolution is violence and physical violence to the Fighting, face. Fighting, violence, more specifically. yeah. Punching in the face. Yeah. Eddie's not a big political animal. No. I don't, maybe he is. People respond to violence. It's usually a positive response from the public when they see violence. So. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, let's hit on the spring game a little bit. We all saw it. Uh, Joe, first off, congratulations. I gave you a camera. Uh, and you you took more than 11 pictures. I pushed the card all the way in this time, which is improvement. 
which is what I'm going for. Did you for. touch the card? Because you didn't have to even touch the card. Did I, you touch it? I, I, I literally I double checked it. Okay. And as I double checked it, I thought, I'm only, I could only make things worse. <laughs> <laughs> but I went ahead and did it. But I, so did you eject it and then put it back in? No, I, that would have made sense. But I, I, I opened up the lid and looked at it and I said, oh, that's pushed in all the way. And we were good to go. And like I said last year, if you set the bar really low, then all I had to do this year was take some pictures, and boom, yeah. that's improvement. You so, actually got some good ones. I was proud of you. I, that's the problem. I, I took too good, pic, too good of pictures, and next year I don't, I don't know how to talk. Well, it was bar. really about the sunlight because I put it on the dummy sports mode. Yeah, it was just point and click. There were a lot of out of focus ones, so yeah, it's kind of. I hard. can show those to you if you if you're feeling too good about yourself. That is never the case. Humble. You can go ahead and do that if you want. Uh, no, but congratulations. Uh, you pushed buttons this year, mm-hmm. um, and were successful. Yep. Eddie, uh, he's you, Eddie's like you like Joe. Probably didn't get to follow the game. Did you have you watched it back on DVR since it happened? Not on DVR, but I've gone back on like you know YouTube and stuff and watched uh, Eddie's. Okay, so Scoop you, HD. Um, Eddie is a pro. He sees everything while he's videoing, so he knows what's going on. Have to. He's he's been doing this for a while. Uh, I still must admit I haven't gone back and watched it on DVR yet. I just haven't had time yet. It's been a busy week. Uh, today is the last day of spring availability for football, so I would assume we'll talk to Bob Stoops. Uh, oh, let me throw this out there before we start breaking down what we saw in the spring game. Man, Paul Feinbaum is like on a roll, isn't he? Going after Stoops again? I kind of look at it as one of those things. It's April thirteenth, and Paul Feinbaum needs to be heard by people, so he he doesn't want to be irrelevant. Says a bunch of bullshit, and yeah. He doesn't want to be irrelevant. Who was the guy that he had on today? Some guy that probably voted for Donald Trump, to be <laughs> okay, honest. Okay, we're not doing that. <laughs> it was some guy that was a... Uh, what did he... How did he term himself? Uh, <sighs> it was a... I'm looking it up right now. A oh, judgment expert. A judgment expert. With 270 followers. And a website that doesn't no, that no longer works. It doesn't and he even, was on to say... Basically, that he can see from afar that Bob Stoops has lost control of his program. Which, Feinbaum yesterday called him a total failure as a disciplinarian. And this is basically just because of the Baker Mayfield and, and uh, Chris Robinson issues. Along with, basically, what I had an issue with yesterday, what Feinbaum said was that Bob Stoops' discipline of Joe Mixon was a complete and total failure. Those were the exact words that he used. If it were a complete and total failure, Joe Mixon would have punched another person, another girl. That's what you would term a complete and total failure. He had the parking ticket thing, but he made it three years without really getting into any serious trouble. I wouldn't call that a total and complete failure. I, I just think that it's it's now Oklahoma is a really easy punching bag because he they, can't he can't rip them on the field because they beat the SEC every time they play him now right. or they have since Alabama right they haven't lost to the SEC since the Sugar Bowl right uh well yeah I mean that well they Tennessee haven't Tennessee twice yeah yep. Auburn they're four zero since the Sugar Bowl right yeah so five or four and five the they've Bowl. won their last five against the SEC. The, their last loss to the SEC was A and M in the Cotton Bowl, twenty twelve. So yeah, he doesn't have that anymore. So now he's attacking, and I'm sure everyone in the SEC loves it when he attacks Bob Stoops. They must. He he must know that that really generates mm-hmm. ratings. That's why he said it. 
because people are going to listen to him now and it's going to get retweeted a bunch of times. But there's that isn't drawn from any basis of reality. That's just it him. It really isn't. It's just him screaming into the abyss and seeing who looks at him. I mean, Eddie's right. It's And he used the comments that we got from Baker Mayfield the other day as a basis for his opinion. Is anybody going to attribute you for asking the questions? Apparently not. Okay. Just wondering. Just wondering. Just wondering, Paul Feinbaum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he listens. Uh, I I just I agree Ow. with you guys though. But I mean, here's the thing. And when Baker was saying that, and I was writing the article, I was thinking, God, this really. It, and that's why I followed it up with, "Do you put any of this on the coaches?" Because he kept saying things like, "We've let things slide. We've gotten lackadaisical," and it was clear to me talking to him that he was talking about the players. Uh, because I I would never look at Bob Stoops as someone that doesn't treat discipline seriously. Like, I look the Joe Mixon thing, and I've said this many times before. My problem with Joe Mixon was that there was no apology after it happened, uh, and that would not let people move on. And not talking to the media would not allow people to move on. And that was not Bob Stoops' fault. That was his lawyer's fault. Now, you can say Bob Stoops, and I think if I would love to know, I don't know how he feels about this. If Bob Stoops could go back in, in time, would he put a condition on his remaining at OU that he must make a public apology and that he must, you know, when he, after he plays his first game, he must be available to the media? I think he would. I, I do too. I don't think there's any doubt because I don't, I don't think that, I mean, I guess we've been over this so many times, but I just don't think that he thought the backlash. I thought, I think Stoops thought that. It would he, blow were, over. And they were punishing him, and people would see it as a year, mm-hmm. not as, as them taking a year away from him, not as them giving him an extra year, and, if that makes sense. Yeah. And if he punished him any more than that, Joe Mixon was going to leave the school. So at, 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 at that point, Bob Stoops has to decide, I suspend him for this year, and then if he stays, I have to eat the problem. And when, I thought he might leave just suspending him for a year, right, to a be lot honest. Of, exactly. A lot of people thought that was going to happen anyway. So if he suspends him any more than that, Joe Mixon's likely gone. But So he, he suspends him for a year. He decides to kind of eat the problem. And now this is what you're left with. When Chris Robison you know, gets busted for a public intox or Baker Mayfield does, now there's these kind of tremors left over from Joe Mixon that people feel like, oh, wait, is, is something wrong? Is this indicative? It's... No, I, I don't even, to be honest, the Baker Mayfield, Chris Robinson stuff, I, I think Baker is saying the right things and he's, he's saying what people want to hear. But to be honest, the actions of those two guys are no different than every other college football program across the country. Bob Stoops knows his players are out there on the weekend drinking. There's really nothing he can do about it. Except Actually, Alabama had a player busted for drugs in February, too. There you go. I, I, I That's think, worse than Baker way Mayfield. worse. The Guns guys got, they got let off. Clear. Yeah. I have. I don't think Bob Stoops has and really any problem with what Baker Mayfield and Chris Robinson were doing. I think he got mad that they got caught and he well, has to deal with it. But he has to know his entire team's out drinking every weekend. Not this entire team, but you know, a good portion of it. And his he's got to educate them on how to get rides and how to be smart and not drink and drive and things like that. But at some point, you know, public intox is just something that it's not that big a deal. And this is just Paul Feinbaum trying to find bring Joe Mixon back into the conversation somehow. It's hypocritical because Mississippi State gave their guy one game suspension yep. for punching a woman who was on the ground multiple times. Uh, and then who was the guy? Josh, who was the guy at LSU that had an assault? He got like a game suspension. Was it Jalen Mills? LSU assault. Well, let's just type I, in LSU assault and see what we come up Jaylen with. It was Jalen Mills. 
Was it? Hmm. Could be. I don't. That one you have run over my head on that one. I'm not sure I pulled that up. Uh. Anyway, uh, but I. I mean, yeah. I can't think of anybody that has suspended a player for a year in college football in recent memory. I mean, no, there's been a like lot of a people school, that just. Does Ryan Broyles count? I mean, you could get. Yeah, I mean, they did it with Ryan Broyles. They kicked Brett Bomar off the team completely. I mean, Ryan Broyles' situation, I mean, it wasn't violent, so that's the huge difference there. But they, they suspended him for a year. Because, they, they, they just told him he was going to redshirt. He wasn't right, going to play yeah, that But year. that's for forever. That's what Joe Mixon was listed out on their website was as a redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore. I think they eventually changed that. Right where he's, he, That's one of those things that if you go back and do all over again, I'm sure that they could do a lot of things all over again. They would, but putting him as a redshirt freshman really gave him no yeah. help. They yeah. didn't do themselves any... I don't know. I didn't think that was a big deal. I thought that was a bunch of crap over nothing. But well, it, yeah, he it, was a red shirt. It freshman. gave an easy talking point to people that wanted to argue. It was a it. stupid talking point. Yeah, I know. But it, it was Lindsey Snell that brought it up, and it's like, who cares? Who gives a crap? You still have four years to play five. That's how the rules work. I, it was more than Lindsey Snell, but I, I'm telling you, are well, right. She was the one that started. But you're it. right. But why give people? I hate you, Joe. Why give people cheap ammunition? I guess is my point. I mean, you're right that it's a, a, a cheap argument, but why give it to people? And by the way, he left because because it's stupid. I mean, he was a redshirt freshman. He was still a red. Everybody knows that Joe wasn't going to be here for more than three years. Right. So what does it matter? For he was a redshirt freshman. That's there's nothing negative about that to me. I don't know why we're arguing about this. I just think that people don't look at it that way, the way that they Guys, should look at it. I've never stopped to think about this, but has OU been a little unlucky with the the particular players that seem to get into trouble, like Baker Mayfield, Ryan Broyles, Joe Mixon? I mean, like, it's easy to forget Jalen Mills at LSU – you're not going to forget any of those guys, though. You, they're all huge. It's all the big OU names. Football yeah. Everybody remembers Rhett Bomar. No one remembers J.D. Quinn. Exactly. Or Hunter yeah, Wall. I bet you, yeah. if you ask most college football fans, they couldn't tell you who J.D. Quinn is. Hunter Wall robbed the weed man. Classic move. He was a quarterback. <laughs> a genius. They can't call the cops. He still got caught. <laughs> Joe, Eddie, can you remember Hunter Wall's famous moment? Yeah, fake punt. They threw it back to him. Oh, nice. Well done. Yep. Ran down the west sideline, number 1,400. Oh, yeah. he got big time. All right. <laughs> okay, so spring game. Let's move on. We keep getting into mindless arguments. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, the spring is. game. Well, oh, we're trying to be elevate ourselves okay. a little bit. Spring game goes on. Uh, we've written about it. We've talked a lot about it. I thought the one thing, and I haven't written this story yet, but I had a chance to talk to Abdul Adams ye- or yesterday, I guess, or two days ago, I guess it was. Um, I think the one thing that I expected, one person I expected to see a little bit more out of was Abdul Adams, and I, they really limited his carries. I think they wanted to see more of Marcellius Sutton, wanted to see a little bit more of Trey Sermon, because uh, I think they know what they have with Abdul Adams. But I think that was the only thing that was kind of disappointing, I thought, is that we didn't get to see Abdul. Because, you know, talking to him, Eddie, you were there the other day when we were talking to him. Uh, you know, he admitted, and other people admitted, Lincoln Riley admitted, he had a hamstring problem that he played. Like when he was getting chased down, what was that, Iowa State? Or that was uh, Iowa State. The Iowa State. He got chased down a couple of times from behind last year. Everybody was like, oh, Kansas well, too. he's not very fast. Yeah, the Kansas game he got chased down. But he was he was hurt all last year. He was never really in 100% health. And I'm kind of interested to see more of him as a completely healthy running back. 
it's interesting that they were so, I guess, defiant in saying throughout the spring that he's been the most consistent. He's yeah, had they the have best spring. Said that, yeah. Uh, it, it's just going to be interesting, though. It's kind of one of those things that's like, I need to see it to actually believe yeah. it. I, you can say that you're fast and you can pull away from guys all you want, but until I actually see it, like, I believe that Rodney Anderson can pull away from guys, and that might be just because I've never seen him get caught from behind. Mm-hmm. I also believe that Marcellia Sutton is is a very explosive running back. Yeah. That, there was just some of the, the little small things that he did in the spring game. It's like you don't just you just don't do that without having something with you. Yeah, he he made cuts that nobody else made. I mean, those the, some that cut he had on the touchdown was something that nobody else on in that running back group can do. But I think I think what you said after the game, Kerry, was exactly right that oh, you should feel good about all those running backs though. And which is which is a good thing to say when you lose guys like Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan. But uh, tell me if tell me if you I'm wrong. But I think that Oklahoma can do something like maybe those old Florida teams that had you know guys like Ramey, where you mix in multiple running backs that all have a specific role. You know they've talked about how Abdul Adams has great hands, make him more of a guy who catches passes out of the backfield. Trey Sermon's a little bigger, maybe use him in a more physical role. Rodney Anderson's probably your more every down back, and Sutton's someone you can kind of mix in as an all purpose back. Everybody kind of has their own each individual role. And they make up for Mixon and Pirine, not basically in talent, but in the aggregate with all of them. So I think that they should feel good about all of those tools they have. And I think Lincoln Riley has talked about how just kind of finding ways to make the, those new weapons work together. If I had to make a prediction right now, I'd say Trey Sermon red shirts next year. Just based on one scrimmage. It's not fair, but that's what I'd be. Josh, let me ask you, where do you think Kennedy Brooks fits in? I think Brooks is definitely a guy that needs the red shirt. Now, I will say, I think as a natural, instinctive runner, he's going to be as good as anybody OU has. But the problem is, is he's not the physical specimen that Trey Sermon is or the unbelievable burst that Marcellus Sutton has. So I think he needs time. He's a guy that's going to show up. You know, everybody got such a panic about how big uh, Marquise Brown was. Kennedy Brooks isn't going to show up at 150 pounds, but I bet you he'll be 180-ish, I mean, something like that. And, and that'll make him the smallest running back by far. Yeah. Exactly. So I think he's a guy that'll be best served with a year, and I think also you get to kind of put some separation between himself and Rodney Anderson, and you start to develop that ball, or that, that um, gap a little bit so that you don't lose all your running backs in the course of you know 12 months. You know, Eddie mentioned the cupboard thing earlier, and I was thinking about this today, how in some positions OU has done just well for themselves to stock up guys, to have the next guys coming in, and running back looks to be another one of those. I think fullback's a great example how they've had that transition from Trey Millard to Dimitri Flowers and, you know, Jeremiah Hall's next. I think one area where people are concerned, though, is the defensive line. What, what What's that group going to be like? What's the next group going to be like? And I, I think after the spring game, I don't know if those concerns really lifted. I, I mean, Kenneth Mann had a nice play, but and I think Neville, Neville Gallimore had a really good game, but you didn't get to see Devontae Lampkin out there. Um, I think DJ Ward, we know what he is. I, I don't know what this defensive line outlook is going to be, and I think that's probably your main area concern if you're an OU fan coming out of the spring game, right? Dante Ro- or, uh, Dalton Rodriguez made his uh, scheduled spring game sack as well. He's an all... He'll go, all, he'll- all- all Stoops spring game. He's in the Marshall Musil Hall yeah. game. I think Shin brought that up on Twitter. Was it, uh, why can't I remember this? Jermaine Hardison. That was the guy that was always big time. In spring games? Everybody was like, why don't you play Jermaine Hardison more? Because he's a walk-on from Midwest City. The guy, 
the guy I always remember, Kerry, and this is way back. Like I want to say this was 2000. Do you remember the Elijah Von Stoenhook kid? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, God. He was some, like, he was a white wide receiver. And I remember, like, going into the season, people were like, he's going to play. He might be the walk-on this year that breaks out. And I don't remember ever hearing from him ever again. Now, I mean, I was in college and drank a lot, so it's entirely possible I just blacked something out. I think you I think you invented took some bad acid one day and like started just <laughs> thinking up guys. <sighs> Sounds like only- to, I, I can almost like I want to say it was like numbers like fifteen or something like it, it was something weird. Like I, I you know, and I remember part of the buzz was probably some of it was probably because I was a student, and so like you know, students don't know shit, and so you know, oh man, I've heard this guy's tearing it up in practice. Like we had no idea. I literally do not know who you're talking about. We might need so to get, bizarre. We might need to put together this summer like a all stoops hype up walk on team that, that like, never played, never played, but always got talked about. You could do that with a ton of like the all stoops like you know favorites. You know Brody Eldridge's team captain, and then you know like you could go down that. You could go down a ton of those kind of ridiculous lists. There's a lot of running backs in a certain era. Like, Goot and uh, Jay-Z would probably have to be in there. Dante, J.D. played a lot, though. Dante Hickson was ta- one of J.D. Guys? was all Big 12. No, I'm talking about guys that he just loved. Oh, that okay. Just loved. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Brody Eldridge, you know, mm-hmm. those guys. He loved Trey Millard. Yeah. All the fullbacks. All the fullbacks. Just football players. Yeah. Football guys. The big athlete he loved. All those kids they recruited from Kansas, mm-hmm. Missouri. I think say would Blake Bell be on that list because he gave up being a quarterback to go play with the the big uglies? That's a good, that's a good question. I think he's probably up there. He always talked about Bell quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe Paul Thompson a little higher on that list. He loved him some Paul Thompson. He did. He say I mean he won him a Big Twelve championship after yeah. he kicked the quarterback off the team. Uh, defensively, I think you got to start with Neville Gallimore for me. I thought he was really really impressive. I'd say you say Neville, I'd probably say Parnell Motley. Like I, well, I think, yeah, 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 you're right. I, mean, I, I think Parnell Motley is I I mean I envision him as the starter right now. Over is that Jordan too much? Parker. I'm I'm with Eddie. I think he's the favorite. I think they're one A, one A one B going into fall camp now. Just simply for the fact that Parnell Motley made two plays on the ball that I honestly don't think they've had Nobody in since a game. Zach Sanchez has made a play yeah. like that. Like tipping the ball, they should have stopped the game and gave him like some kind of like <laughs> warrior freedom thing. <laughs> Maybe not. That is a legitimate charity. You cannot start that you can't crap on warriors for freedom. I'm not crapping on them. I'm saying that's it's it'd be like the highest <laughs> honor. How about football for freedom or something? The Lee uh, Greenwood Award. They should just no. Well, they just should have stopped the game and gave him two hundred dollars. Maybe like a Toby Keith bronze red cup or something. What if they just stopped the game, gave him two hundred dollars, reported it to the NCAA right there, be like, yeah, they paid him. Bounty. Terry, you <laughs> yeah, know just, Lee Greenwood strikes too close to home. That hurts. He's been married four times, Josh. <laughs> he's a womanizer. Lee <laughs> Greenwood has. Yeah. <laughs> you. You don't? Do you know my Lee Greenwood story? No, I don't. I'd love to hear it. Okay, I told it on the board, but it's probably one that needs to be shared. So, when Tiffany and I were, you know, we we talked about it. We knew we were going to get married. I'd asked her dad. You know, we we'd covered all the preliminaries that we needed to, and I I didn't want to pick out her ring. I, I was real big about that because I I was like I don't know anything about this. Why don't you pick out the ring, and then I'll try to make you know how I ask you kind of fun, and we'll do it that way. 
So there wasn't the surprise of is he going to ask, but it was just kind of when I was going to. So I planned it all out. I take Tiffany to Vegas for uh, to ask her, and she knows what it is, but she doesn't know when I'm going to do it. And really, I didn't either. So we get there, we're staying at the Bellagio, and Tiffany'd never been like I. She really hadn't been to Vegas before, and so she's sitting there, and we've got a window view of the of the fountains, and it's great. And we're about 15 minutes from leaving to go see a show. And I'm like, let's just get this out of the way. I don't want us to, you know, to be thinking about it the whole time because if I wait longer, I'm going to get more weirded out about it, and she's going to wonder when it's going to happen. Hotel so sex. I decide, okay, we've got to decide now. I and all night, all day long, you know, for those that don't know, the Bellagio every 15 minutes, Eddie in the evenings they play a song and they have a water fountain feature that goes with the it. The water cannons start going nuts. Yeah, and it's awesome. Everybody like, it, it lines really up on cool the strip thing. to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you haven't seen it before. It's awesome. And so Tiffany's watching out of our room window, and, like, they've been playing Luck Be a Lady and Viva Las Vegas and all this stuff that I'm like, that would be perfect. That'll that'll play while I do this. No problem. I get down on my knee to ask Tiffany no the question. No way. I'm proud to be an American starts <laughs> playing. And I'm like, you've got to be shitting me. And I, I literally You proposed to, to your wife to Lee Greenwood's <laughs> I proud did. to be an American. I absolutely did. And it will live with me in shame. Like, guys, this is therapeutic for me to get this out because for a long time I wouldn't talk about this story because you guys know I'm a music person and it just pisses me off at that song. And I'm, I am proud to be an American. Was that your our, song our, at your wedding? Get pissed off. Was that your first song? No, no. That, okay. that was absolutely... And it was... A lot of friends threatened to ask the, the, the DJ at the wedding <laughs> if he would play that. And I was like, I will literally throw you out of here First if this dance. is how this goes. Yeah, I, no, no. That we, we ch- See, I put a lot of thought. I probably, of anything in the wedding, the first dance was something I put more thought into than any. We did uh, What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. Like, that was our first dance song. And I, I love that song. Yeah, timeless. So, all good. I think he but, beat women, yeah. I'm not sure. Lee Greenwood kind of cuts like a knife for me. I literally, I get down and she turns around and sees me and knows what's ha- obviously knows what's happening, and I can't even get the words out. And I'm like, and she's like, "You've got to say it." <laughs> All right. And so like, I just stumble it you, out. Did, I had this. And you just thing. did you just like was it in your mind like, oh god, can I find it? Can I wait till the next time? Yeah, no, that really that Start was my plan. Is I was gonna I was gonna roll it back into the pocket. We were gonna go to the show. Do it that night when we got back. Like I, I, I had no intention to do it to Lee Greenwood, but once she saw me, the die was kind of cast, and you know you can't really undo that one. So after you got down on one knee and asked the question, God, that's did, so. Did you proudly mm-hmm. stand up? Wow, Joe, Eddie, or Carrie cut his mic. He, he's just done. He's getting show. kicked that's, off the podcast today. Yeah, that that he's <laughs> arguing. That, that's that makes sense. Making I've, fun of your marriage. I've had a lot of fun today, so that makes sense. <laughs> He's going to do something oh. stupid at practice tonight, I can already tell. I'll ask a lot of everybody about Kyler Murray switching positions. Joe doesn't also seem to know the rule that I'm not supposed to be in pictures. Oh, you look great. You got a compliment from Bronson Irwin on Twitter. For I don't good. think that that was serious. I think it was. <laughs> Knowing Bronson, it was not serious. I thought it was. I thought you had a good hair day. Guys, I'm going to tell you, there's a, there's a Laney opportunity. Oh, Yes. So we'll see. I don't know. I'm, does she I'm know? Does she know how room. to sing? Uh, Proud to be an American. No, but she has. Um, sing is her favorite movie right now, and she oh, likes I've to sing it on the microphone. I've heard you that. Like say hi. Yeah, let's get a song. Yeah. Laney, come here, baby. Laney. 
Yeah. Did you want to say hi? Who's that? Hi, hi lady. lady. That's Carrie, Eddie, and Joe. Tell them you went on the Easter egg hunt. Pretend it's Yaya. No. We, we do have our Easter basket from school. Today was oh, our Easter wow. egg hunt. So. Oh, and we have our picture with the Easter bunny. It looks like we were about to get pissed off. So, Oh, she didn't scream this year? No, no, no screaming, but there, that face is stormy for sure. That was about to go badly. <laughs> Come sit down. Let me tell you about the Easter bunny. Well, you, you have, you have, if you find a scary enough Santa, maybe you can recreate another crying Tiffany Santa. love that I just shared the Lee Greenwood story. <laughs> she thinks that. She loves to taunt me. She's smiling at me now. She thinks that's hilarious. <laughs> Most patriotic proposal in history. Did you start Seriously. making sweet love right then to Lee Greenwood? <sighs> no, but, you know, I can say, I mean, my most American is definitely in the World Cup. I wear my American bandana, and it's probably the only time on earth I drink American beer. So that is, <laughs> and I just crush. that. That's that's how I do it. So, And I'm the hipster. Oh, no. So I'm, Carrie will tell you, I'll drive him crazy with my soccer crap. Yeah. Okay. Let's get back to the spring game, can we? Can we talk <laughs> some football? By the way, I believe, I believe Laney is a, a drink. Did, did anybody see the the thing on the board where somebody came up with a drinking game for the podcast? For when Laney is mentioned? Yeah, pretty sure I she's I think a drink. that's like a I, half drink. I, I think someone has to chug. I think everybody has to chug now because she was actually on the yeah, podcast. I think, so. I think that's a big one. Yeah. That, that, that may be a new one because that was her first. She I'm pretty sure Josh's, Josh's wedding stories are going to be included in the next incarnation of the drinking game. Mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. He put that out? Oh, no, it's from uh, the Barstool. OU Barstool account. OU Barstool. Breaking news. Is saying that PJ and Banasaur is transferring. So basically, one of the students so, has gotten it from PJ and Banasaur that said he's transferring. Oh, we got something to ask Some, Bob tonight. Somebody's going to be pissed they didn't break that after three that years. That doesn't of, surprise uh, me at all the- because I think PJ and Banasaur has been the leakiest player on that team for three years now. He seems to like telling people, everybody except us, because we don't get him free T-shirts, I guess. Well, good luck going to play somewhere else. I don't know where he can play. He's not a corner. He's not a say. He, what I was told, and I've said this before, what I've always been told about PJ and Banasaur is he can't play corner. He's not good enough. And he doesn't study the game enough or understand it enough to be a safety. So he's kind of SOL. Sounds right. Probably don't need it. I don't need to pile on. But I, the nickname I'd always heard from him from people that were at practice was uh, P.I. and Banasaur. He was just someone that could never get his hands off receivers, could never stop being physical, couldn't just trust his feet. And I, I'm with you, Kerry. I don't know how he can. If you, you can't play corner and play like that, maybe safety, but I, you can't play corner like that. Definitely not in the Big Twelve. No, I mean, no, you've got not against these teams. Well, maybe Baylor now that they're power run team. Okay, well, you just want him to put hands on people. Me? Yeah, I thought that was the Baylor fit. Oh, uh, no, you're one step ahead of me yeah, there. Touche. Mm, very good. Okay, uh, back to the spring game. Middle linebackers, it's clear to me that they're still feeling their way out there. I, I mean, it's like they know the answers, but they know that it hasn't. it's not working yet to the level that's going to make them a great defense. Like, John Michael Terry is the guy. They're going to see if Kenneth Murray can be the guy. 
and I almost think like they don't really know exactly how it's all going to play out at this point. So what do they? I mean, it's just kind of a wait and see period, really. I mean, I thought that jo- I thought develop the line- their asses fast. Phase. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess there there would be could be some argument on the board just in how they're going to go about doing that, right? Well, I mean, it's obvious that Capri Set was not going to be in the plan. I mean, to move Kenneth Murray like they did is is an indictment against Capri Set as a middle linebacker. And he's, you know, Capri Set could probably be really good playing Caleb Kelly's position, but he's not as good as Caleb Kelly. That's the problem. That was pretty odd too that he would transfer the year or the spring at the end of the spring going into his senior year. Like, I don't know. It just seems like was he processed or was he? Did he really and truly decide to transfer? I don't think he was processed because, I mean, you saw all the social messages to him from teammates and stuff. I mean, he seemed like everybody loved that guy. Yeah. I just, I wonder what the, I don't know. I guess sometimes. Maybe just get back closer to home. I don't know if he yeah. has a kid or anything like that. Yeah, or, that's that was my first thought that I don't, I don't know the ins and outs there. It just seemed weird. At linebacker, I, I, it's hard to judge from that spring game too much, but. I rewatched it a little bit, and to be honest, I was looking, trying to see what John Michael Terry was doing, see if you know Ricky DeBerry, Curtis Bolton, see what was going on at middle linebacker. But I mean, to be honest, what I saw a lot was just Caleb Kelly making plays, and I wasn't even trying to watch him. It, he would come in and save the linebackers in a lot of situations, turning guys in back into uh, traffic, or basically sometimes it was just diving and making a play when so, a middle linebacker should have gotten there. So I, I think that's one of those things where maybe Oboe and Caleb Kelly can help help kind of disguise any any uh, developmental time that they're going to need from John Michael Terry or Kenneth Murray. But t- Kenneth Murray looked explosive at times. He didn't make a ton he of plays. He just didn't know what he was doing. Exactly. He just looked like he was running and kind of running like a chicken with his head come off. But Which he, that was his second practice. He looked explosive, though. I mean, he had that one tackle down the sideline that was, I, I think, the hardest hit of the day. It's one of those things where do you trust that they'll be ready by the first game of the season? Well, I think just being out there for John Michael Terry – being the guy, being the starter, going against that offensive line. I mean, those guys, that's the thing you got to realize. Yeah, that's a good like point. I remember you had that one series of shots of Creed Humphrey just destroying Kenneth Murray uh and he just drove him down the field 10 yards before anybody else could drive their guy a yard off the ball. I mean, the, going against that line, they're really going against one of the best lines that they're going to face all year other than Ohio State, probably. It, it seems like, and I guess it's it's probably easy why he wants to do it and talk about it, but every time we get with Bill Biedenboe, it's like he loves talking about the, this offensive line. It's like it's like he has tools that he's never had before, I guess. Yeah, yep. kid I, in the candy store. I think he said that, too. He said that he's never had a group like this in his entire career. I, I think Lincoln Riley also had a good point uh, the other day when he said, Look, one of the reasons these running backs look so good in the spring game is because the depth and offensive line is so good. He, he says, in practice, usually your second or third string offensive line is kind of a, a, a crazy show, a shit show. So, but now that they have guys that are that good with that much depth, it makes everything look that much better. And I, I, I don't. I think that is also the catalyst why people have so much confidence in the Oklahoma offense. I mean, it's partly Baker Mayfield, but I think that other part is that offensive line where people are like, okay, it's okay that they lost Joe Mixon and Samaj Piran and Didi Westbrook because. Man, that offensive line is that good. You know what's crazy is they weren't even playing Cody Ford and Jonathan Alvarez with the twos. 
Like the twos were all by, and I guess uh, Bill said this yesterday or the other day it slipped by everybody. Uh, Zach Mettenberger is beating out whoever it was to be the backup. Quinn Mittermeier. Uh, Mittermeier. Mittermeier. What talks- did I say? Mittenmeier. Zach Mettenberger. 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 Who is Zach Mettenberger? The quarterback, the quarterback for LSU. For LSU yeah. It's awful. Mittermeier, whatever, yeah. See, I've been bothered to know who that is because I didn't think he – he's kind of like Gabriel Campbell to me. Like, it seems like when he talks about the ones, though, he's talking about two groups, like the A and B group of the yeah. ones. Is that – No, I mean, he's talking about – a, a group with Ben Powers and Eric Wren, and then a group with Cody Ford and Jonathan Alvarez, I think. But I'm guys, I'm not going to be surprised if Creed Humphrey's not the backup center at well, the start of the season it, next year. It's very obvious or evident that he's made such an impact that Logan Robertson's now at guard. Yeah. I mean, he's not even in the equation at center. Yeah. And I think, Do you think they just redshirt him automatically, though, just to have him that extra time? Yeah, I think it'd be smart. I yeah, mean, as good I don't as they are. You if you feel good about Ren and you have Alvarez. Yeah, I mean, get that extra year of Creed if you can. So, of course, exactly. if Creed Humphrey is that good, maybe he's only here, for, you know, maybe he only has three years. How many yeah. centers do that, though? Yeah, I think so. That's. Uh, now, I will say, Kerry, I mean, just you know, again, kind of like you said earlier, it's not fair to base off on practice. He's got a chance to be as good a center as Stoops has had. Yeah, I, I mean, mean he, it's just really size good. wise. I mean, si- yeah. they never had, I mean, Go all the way back to Vince Carter. They've never had really big centers Mm-mm. since Stoops has been here. We've talked about that before, how their centers last year. But Sorry, gay biker. Eric Wren and Jonathan Alvarez aren't exactly huge guys. Creed Humphrey was going to come on campus and immediately be one of the biggest, strongest guys in that group. That's yeah. why I like the thought of Logan Robertson, because he was a big dude. Think about now. you guys. We, we always talked about how small Tithe Darlington was. Think about him with that group now. Oh, my Jeez. God. Runt of the litter. I'd love to see a picture Seriously. of Ty next to Creed right now. Receivers, let's just hit on them real quick. Um, Mead had a good game. Mead, very good. Uh, Marquise Brown, we got to see some flashes of speed. I, you know, Baker said he wouldn't take back that throw that got intercepted, but I did think he was underthrown a little bit on the interception to Motley. Yeah, it, it was I think just Kyler Murray was the other guy that was throwing it that Motley batted down. It was a little bit underthrown, I thought. Yeah. Like, I don't think they know how fast Marquise Brown is yet. The Murray one was definitely underthrown and flat. He should have put some air on that one. It would have been a touchdown. The the one thing. faster than DD. Who's that? I think Marquise Brown's faster than DD. Yeah, I do. It'll be. I I would love to see them race at some point. But I don't think that's ever going to happen. Not until he's drafted, I don't think. Who? DD. DD? DD, yeah. I'd be surprised if he got drafted. I've heard it's that bad. I know somebody. That, I know it's bad. Yeah. That uh, talked to somebody that works in the NFL. He said that he would draft Joe Mixon a hundred times before D.D. Westbrook. Think about that. That's yeah. how bad it's been. Uh, what was I going to say though? Where were we talking? Marquise about? Brown being underthrown. Oh, both of the interception on. Uh, Mayfield's interception and then uh, Murray; those were both into really strong wins in the in the South End. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's probably notable. That that might be the reason why it was so short, though. Is I guess what I'm saying. How different is the stadium, wind wise, now that it's closed in? I think it, I think there definitely is a difference. It's more. Is it more when you get to that South End, like a swirl? Like, yeah, I've yeah. noticed it really swirls down in that South End now. Very much because it was like. Somebody even on Saturday said something about the wind. I mean, you could tell that it was windy just by looking at the flags, but being down on the field, you really don't feel it that much. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, it's a little bit like Gallagher-Iba in that 
it gets blocked up there at Boone Pickens. The mm-hmm. wind gets blocked by Gallagher Iba, and you yeah. never really feel it. But I, I thought outside of that, I mean, Grant Calcaterra played a lot, was impressive. Uh, I mean, he's a guy that I think you have to tag, not red shirt at this point. They played him a lot with Mayfield, which I thought was interesting. He wasn't just in there with Mayfield likes Tyler him Murray. too. Yeah, and he threw it to him a lot. So Calcaterra is someone that really looks like he's going to get some playing time this year. And if he, if he didn't have that offensive pass interference call, he would have had an even bigger game. And he would have that touchdown catch. So. Uh, I think he's I, to be honest. Another guy that I thought looked good was Michael Jones. Yeah, and and that that battle is something that people I don't think are talking about enough with him and Nick Basquin because Michael Jones is a top one hundred player in the country coming out of high school. Nick Basquin's a walk on, and they're fighting for basically the same spot. Yeah, Basquin's really good. I mean, son of Anthony Stafford, he's got athletic ability just in his genes. But he's still a walk on though. He wasn't. I mean, we didn't. He didn't have an offer. Uh, and so he's he's fighting with a top 100 guy for a spot. And I talked to Michael a couple of days ago. I said, who's someone that, you know, who's underrated? Who's someone we're not talking about enough? And he said, Nick Basquin, the guy he's fighting for a job with. He just said, I call that guy first down Nick. He makes catches for everything. And I, I think that's really cool for Oklahoma to have two guys like that who, I don't know, it'd be easy for Michael to be upset because there's this walk-on fighting for a spot and he feels like he earns it. But it's not the, that's not the way it is. They both seem to really be competing and like each other and, I think that's an interesting battle that people aren't talking about. So we have about. to call Nick Basquin the Black West Welker? Is he a Patriots <laughs> wide receiver that just happens to be black? I think that's pretty good. I, I, I think people get lazy stuff with just saying a white receiver is like a white receiver. I think that's a good one. No, but he is. He's a third down yeah. guy. He's a, he's a route runner extraordinaire. He really knows his shit, I mean, as a receiver. And it's not really about, it's more about, kind of like Joaquin Iglesias was that way. Like he was a technician as a receiver, and he was a really good athlete, but he wasn't just like ridiculously explosive. I I think that's a great comparison. I, I like the Welker Basker. I think they're a little more similar in size. Correct me if I think Joaquin's a little taller than both those guys. Yeah, Maybe a little no, definitely, body. definitely. Yeah. But I, I think that's great. That's what Nick Basquin's role in this offense offense is. It's to find space, to get into the open space, to make tough catches and get first downs and. Uh, I, I think Michael Jones brings more explosiveness to that position, but it's about, I don't know, what do you need and what do you want from that role in the offense? And I don't know, I, I'm guessing Baker Mayfield might end up saying, you know, give me Nick, give me someone I can trust on third downs uh, to be somebody I can just rely on and throw to. By the way, that's another reason why I think Meade is someone who I'm starting to come around on Jeff Meade having a bigger role in this offense because I was watching some tape from last year and Mayfield, even with Westbrook, someone as small as Westbrook, will throw it into coverage. Remember that Baylor touchdown where Mayfield's kind of wrapped up and he throws it straight up in the air to Westbrook, mm-hmm. who's covered? He'll do that. He did it to Marquise Brown in the spring game. Someone like Meade, who can make those catches, is someone who Baker's going to fall in love with, I think. I just pretended right there that I was Joe's wife, and he came home to dinner, and that's all he wanted to talk about. Just more like football. Thing. Yeah. It's usually politics. No, I mean, I didn't tune out. I'm just, I mean, you talk a lot, man. I can't help it. It's from uh, writing like for seven, eight years in school. They have to make you... M- write 20 page papers you get going i mean i like it i don't have to talk okay it's usually political for my wife this is this is uh safe for you guys other outlet don't ever do that with me around i don't right i I kind of channel my my explosions where they need to go josh any just last last revelations about the spring game with, with you watching it watching it back the thing that sticks out to me really is just it's the linebackers. I mean, I don't think there's any question that a year from now that will be Oklahoma's best defensive group by a mile. I 
just to add to that, Josh, I I think I I guess this is to ask you because you were the only one that talked to him in high school, but standing next to Kenneth Murray, I, it was like for the first time in a while I got this feeling that I was standing next to like a middle linebacker, or just a linebacker in college. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, you know what? I couldn't stop. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Josh. No, no, you're fine. I I I still, and I mean, I've talked about this. I think a couple podcasts ago. I can't wrap my head around it. I don't. I've never seen a kid change his body that fast. When I, I thought Kenneth would fight size until he was a sophomore in college, and now he looks the part as much as any guy on that roster. What I couldn't stop thinking about Saturday is just what a shame it is that Tay Evans had to give up football. Yeah. That because I mean he would have been a really good player. That was yeah. such a big blow to them at the beginning of the season, like that. Because I mean you. We were in the same spot last year at this time, and it was talking about how Tay Evans was going to have a breakout year. He was yeah. going to be really good, and then all of a sudden, great they had, size. They had I mean, great size. Looked more athletic than even Bobby did. Now Bobby's really coming. Like Bobby's starting to kind of come into his own as an athlete, but Tay had it from the jump. I mean, that's really, a bad, bad deal. Yeah. Another, you know, I guess I don't know why I've got into hot take here right at the end, but. I think Bobby Evans is the best pro prospect on that offensive line. More than Orlando Brown. I do. I, I'm not the Orlando Brown every fan that everybody else is. Like, I think he's a good player, but he's strictly a right tackle. Bobby can play left. I In the NFL, Orlando Brown's not a left tackle. He's just not. So you're saying this is similar to that OU offensive line that had Phil Lodehold mm-hmm. at left tackle and Trent Williams at right tackle. Guys, exactly. They, they should be yeah, it, It's happened to uh, Jamal Brown at right tackle, Wes Sims at left. Yep. I mean, like that, that's been a thing. I don't know why. It just seems to be the way that works out. Probably just, just size is a bigger factor in college. Yeah, it's true. I mean, like those photos that you have of Mark Jackson and even Caleb Kelly trying to rush against Orlando Brown, he <laughs> swallows them. I mean, his arm span, like they have no chance. Like I'm sure Von Miller would destroy him, but just young athletic guys they don't know how to deal with somebody with that type of size it's unbelievable for for people I, and i know there'll be people that be like oh josh is crazy blah 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 i if you want to watch what i'm talking about watch connor williams from texas their left tackle that's a top five nfl draft pick like because in the NFL, man, they want you to move. The movement skill is is probably more important than the size. If you're six four, but you can move your feet, they don't care. What's weird is Orlando's uh, carrying around some bad. I mean, he's always carried around bad weight, and he's he's getting better. But he, I mean, he just has he does, he has some bad weight. Like, Carrie, you think back to like Orlando or not Orlando or Phil. Phil, like when you looked at him, like you were like that dude's pretty muscled up for a guy that size. Yeah. With Orlando, he he always looks soft to me. Like, he doesn't look like a guy that's killing it in the weight room like some of the others are. No, like, Drew Samia made a much bigger gain and has made much bigger gains in the mm-hmm. weight room. And just his body type, it's better. Like, Cody Ford is the closest thing to Phil Lodeholt to me, where he's just a big, massive human being. And you don't look at him and you go, I mean, I think, like, oh, my God, how many pairs of pants did they have to sew just to make his ass? Like, he's just so huge. But you don't sit there and say, boy, there's a lot of bad weight on his frame. He's just massive. Creed Humphrey's like that for a center. That's yeah, a little bit. First center they've had like that. Uh, Orlando Brown, though, has that. Is, how, what do you, how would you put Bray Walker in that category? I don't think he has a lot of bad weight. I think he's somebody who could 
you know, he could play basketball if he wanted to. Bray's more of a nimble kind of athletic guy than Orlando Brown. I don't really yeah, see no Bray being nimble like that. I mean, I've only seen him up close more than Orlando. going through um, OU's elite camp that they did. Like, his 40s, he was so stiff, like, running 40s and stuff. I just kind of, I was surprised by it, I guess. He, Kerry, I know what you're talking about. Like, he's a guy that when you watch him, like, move in a traditional athletic sense, it doesn't look all that good. Like, I don't know how else to say it better than that. But, like, you watch him squat, and he bends the knee real naturally. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of flexion in his lower body. Oh, no, like, when he was over there with yeah. Owen Condon on the sides doing one-on-ones, oh. it was like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, Owen Condon can't play college football. Like, yeah. he made him look that bad. Yeah, yeah. It, but you're right. Like, there's something that's a little awkward about Bray. Like, and I've never been able to quite put my finger on what it is. Either that or he just doesn't like running. <laughs> he just doesn't try very hard. When I'm he's not going to somebody it. for that. Evaluating, <laughs> evaluating Bray in a high school game is just one of the hardest things to do. Because talking about size and the younger you are, the younger you are, the more impact it has. That's why you need to see him at camps. Yeah. You, watching a high school guy try the, the time it takes for them just to even run around Bray, <laughs> the ball's already out of the guy's hand. So I, the, I, he, someone like that has to be so bored at times. And I think back watching him of someone like Josh talked about Jordan Phillips when he was in high school. You'd hear about. Well, he's really talented and huge, but does he bring it every play? And I think that's kind of the concern with guys like that is because they spend most of their lives just being so much bigger and better than everybody. Are they going to be able to flip that switch when they get to college? I think it took Jordan Phillips a couple of years to kind of get that, get everything going right, get his mind right, get his work ethic right. I, it's going to be interesting to see how that works for Bray, if, how quickly he can be able to play uh, going from that competition. Now, Josh, you said uh, when you get, you get back from uh, St. Louis, which is, what, May 21st? Mm-hmm. You said you're going to go out on the road a little bit? Yeah, no, that, that that will be the week that I go around Oklahoma. When I ride back with you guys, I'm going to pick up a car that night. The uh, reason I'm asking at, is because uh, I assume one of your first trips is going to be over to Broken Arrow to see that young kid. Absolutely. Andrew Rain, the kid who picked up the, uh, the 20, uh, 2020 excuse me, uh, offensive lineman that already picked up an offer. Um, just a guy, guy that we had a chance, carry, or Eddie and Joe and I had a chance to see him at the Adidas camp uh, a couple weeks ago. And, you know, if you'd have told me he was a high school senior, I said, okay. You know, and I thought he's probably a guy that's going to be like a, you know, Tulsa, yeah. Kansas, that kind of guy. But when you think he's got three more years of ball to play, the sky really is the limit. I was actually looking at it. It's funny that we bring him up at, uh, in the same conversation as Bray literally offered four days later than Bray was at the same point in his career. Wow. So that kind of tells you the kind of guy you're talking about here. This could be a elite Rivals 100 type. Josh, on the the ratings point, to go back to Walker a little bit, just straight, do you think Bray Walker is a five-star prospect? Go. <laughs> I think that's an inter- Come on. I'm putting you on the spot. <sighs> it's a... Al... If you made me just say yes or no, I would say no right now. And it's got nothing to do with this talent. I think Bray Walker has the kind of physical ability that becomes a number one draft pick. I mean, and I'm not talking first round. I'm talking overall. Like, he's that gifted. Um, the problem is we talk about, oh, it's this, it's, you know, evaluating him at a high school game. It's so ridiculous. Well, it is. But he doesn't dominate like I want to see him dominate. Like a guy at that level. Like you go watch some of the other elite tackles in the country. Like go watch Jackson Carmen, the number one offensive tackle in the country, 
kid from Ohio, that dude kills people, like just massacres them. And you don't see that from Bray. Like I know talking to people around Southmore, they flat out own that Cole Mashburn got the better of him when they played Norman North. Like if you're an elite guy and you're an elite, that, that shouldn't happen. And Cole Mashburn's a good player. I don't want it to sound like that. He, he's, he's a very good player in his own right. He's nowhere near as physically gifted as Bray Walker is. And he was beating Bray with motor. He just wanted it more. And he was fighting. And it's so weird because Bray's a wrestler. Those guys usually have to pull him off of people. And Bray's not just a wrestler. He's a really, really good wrestler. So I don't – there's some disconnect. And I'm, I, part of me thinks that once the competition level for Bray Walker goes up and he starts facing guys that are of his caliber – you'll see a different guy. And that that's what I want to find out. That's why we're trying to get into that St. Louis camp because then he'll probably get an invite to our national five-star camp and you'll see him face the best defensive lineman in the country and we'll really know what's what. All right. Well, we are uh, pretty deep into the podcast, so I think it's about time for us to wrap it up. Um, not sure. I was thinking about this. Not sure if we'll do a podcast next week. We may take a week off just with spring football coming to an end. Um, unless some, some big stuff starts to happen. Of course, football or uh, basketball signing day just happens. Um, and we really didn't get into that a whole lot, but we're kind of we're running longer than normal on the podcast. So let's go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, co- full coverage on the site. Joe had a story today. Uh, Eddie's got video from Lon Kruger's uh, press conference, even a second video, right? I saw you uploading. Mm-hmm. Uh, so plenty of coverage of that. Uh, more from spring football coming. We got a Ben Power store, I think, that just uh, released on the website as well. It's really good. Go check that out from John Shin. Uh, but that's going to do it for us on this edition of the Unofficial 40. Please go subscribe uh, to the podcast, iTunes, uh, rate and review if you can. Uh, we always appreciate that. Uh, helps us out a lot. Uh, Stitcher, uh, for you Android users, that's a really good podcast app to download. SoundCloud uh, is where we host all of our stuff. And then, of course, Google Play Store. If you've already got your podcast uh, app set up and you want to use Google Play Store, you can do it there as well. So thanks for listening. Thanks to uh, Josh McQuistian back in his studio, Eddie Radosevich and Joe Duvall uh, in our studio. Thanks, guys. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time on the, uh, another edition of the Unofficial 40. All right, we lied. We're back uh, because Josh reminded us after the podcast was over that uh, we didn't do a Pagano, a Pagano, a Pagano update, uh, and everything we're hearing kind of Josh down to OU and Oregon. What's the latest uh, that you're hearing out there? Well, I think everyone, and that's I think on both sides of the fences, from what I've gathered, is it's kind of left in the dark. I think he's kind of shut it down. He's just talking, uh, probably amongst his family and whoever will be involved in this decision. But, yeah, it should be down to OU and Oregon. Really eliminated Notre Dame. And even, you know, I talked last week about hearing some stuff about him returning to Clemson, and Dabo Swinney kind of gave that credibility when he talked about it uh, after one of their spring practices last week. So that that seemed like a possibility, but I know that's been eliminated as well. And I honestly, the thing that I thought was interesting is I got a better vibe from some of my sources following the Oregon visit than I did going into the Oregon visit. I think there was a feeling that maybe he was going to go to Oregon, pull the trigger, and then all this was for naught. But he came back. I know he's talked to Bob Stoops since the Oregon trip. I know he's talked to several other people on the staff. So I I get the impression that Oklahoma thinks they have a chance here. And I think everyone's expecting to know tomorrow. I think that's kind of 
the deadline. He has told some people, has given some people now, things change. I mean, kid may come to tomorrow and realize he doesn't know what he wants to do. But I think some at some point this weekend, OU will know their fate. And probably for the first time since this became a possibility, I'm leaning just a little bit to Oklahoma being his choice. Wow. Uh, okay. I want to appreciate that, Josh. Uh, we're just finding some other breaking news out there that is completely bizarre. Uh, but according to Norman Police Department, Parrish Cobb was arrested last night in Norman on another armed robbery. He is he has been charged with three different counts of armed robbery in Waco. Now he came back to Norman and he's robbing people. That is unbelievable. Yeah, it looks like in those Commons apartments over by the railroad tracks on Constitution and Classen is where it went down. Did they just have like a suicide over there or someone attempting or like negotiations or something like that a week ago or something? I seem to remember like a hostage negotiator I, thing. I saw this like on the news last night about an armed robbery or on Twitter. Oh, but now it's being but yeah, now it's it Paris makes Cop. sense that it was Paris That Cop. dude is going to jail for a very long time. I need to uh, make a, uh, a qualifying statement too. Okay. Parish Cobb might be a little hard if you're going to go do another armed robbery after getting caught. So, uh, you know, I, I bag on armed robbers from Waco all the time. Uh-huh. He's taking a step up to South Oak Cliff, Dallas type. That when you do it twice and in another state, you might be so a little So now he's charged with armed robbery in two different states. My God. It makes you wonder who else was he robbing between then because you don't always get caught. He's not 0 for 2, I'll tell you that. Well, he's 0 for 4 because he had three robberies in Waco and now one. So he's he's probably, yeah, if he's batting 500, he's robbed at least four other people. With a deadly weapon. I think OU's probably glad they uh, separated Jeez. ties from him. Yeah, it was not time to say we'll let the legal process play out. My God. Yep. Yep. I'm sure it won't stop Paul Feinbaum. Yeah, no shit. He's going to go all over him. God. He's not on the team, but yeah, you're, it's, it's, it's going to be lumped in. People are going to start lawlessness in Norman. He now. was committed to Baylor. It's not like the signs weren't there. Wow. Okay, well, that'll end the podcast. We've already said goodbye for everybody, so there you go. If you, Thanks for the Pagano news. Looking good for Oklahoma. Uh, the news on Parrish Cobb is not looking good for him. Tweet at Sooner Scoop if you're going to get robbed by Parrish Cobb or if you've been robbed. Or if you've been robbed. <laughs> it's a tip line. It's a tip line. <laughs> okay, thanks, guys. We'll see you next week, maybe, on the Unofficial 40.